Would you like me to seduce you? That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. Of all the gin joints in all the towns in all the world, he walks in a month. Why is the rum always Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. It's a trap! Hey guys, welcome to the Celluloid Fiends podcast. You can follow us at Celluloid Fiends on Facebook and Twitter, as well as Celluloid Fiends Pod on Instagram. If you haven't already done so, head over to iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts, and subscribe, as well as leave us a rating and a review on iTunes because it really helps us out. If you want to follow me, you can check me out at Mitchell C. Long on Twitter and Instagram. And you can find my writing on film at cupofmo.com. And you can read my articles about all things tech at techuplife.com. And tonight, as always, in the studio I have with me. What's up, Cellulite Fiends? It's Wes Clifton. I'm a writer, I'm a musician, and I'm a cinema sleuth. You can find me on the internet at, uh, I'm on Instagram at Cliff Weston. And if you want to check out some of my writing, you can do so at wdclifton.wordpress.com. And tonight we are going to be doing a special interview with Dave Niebuhr. Dave is a musician who plays in the band Dog Eat Dog, but also does his own solo work, which we'll get into. He composed and recorded the official comic book soundtrack for Ivan Press's zombie sequel series. Uh, and he's also an avid collector and a fellow film fiend. Uh, since we just did our episode about Fulci's zombie, we thought it would be really cool to speak to Dave about his experiences writing and recording the score for the comic book sequel series. Uh, if you want to follow him on social media, you can find him at Dog Eat Dave on Instagram. And without further ado, here is our interview with Dave Niebuhr. So we're here with Dave Niebuhr. Um, Dave has recorded the comic book soundtrack, the official comic book soundtrack to Ivan Press's zombie sequel series. And so, Dave, we're real glad you could be here. We've been trying to do this for a little while. So welcome to the show. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, looking forward to talking about zombie and soundtracks and Italian horror with you. Man, all that sounds great. <laughs> so... First off, Dave, how did you get started as a musician? I have been into music since I was a young kid. I first saw like Kiss, maybe on television or the records in the store. And I, I was like fascinated by Kiss. Gene Simmons was my idol. 
Um, and I, I just, I always wanted to, to play music. So I started on, um, trumpet and, you know, band and orchestral type stuff in, in school. Um, and I grew up with a piano in my house. There was always a piano in my house, but, uh, I really wasn't that interested in playing piano. I wanted to play guitar. I was listening to a lot of heavy metal around 1980. 81. And by the time I was 12, uh, I, I told my, my mom that I wanted to play bass guitar because my next door neighbor played, uh, drums and his brother played guitar. So if I played bass, we could have a little band. Um, so I told her that, and I don't know how it happened, but she came home with a, a bass guitar the next day. You know, she found one in school or did something and, uh, there, I, I hooked it into my stereo system, not even an amp. And I just started putting like black Sabbath records on the turntable and, and Iron Maiden and Led Zeppelin and Rush. And I just started playing along, uh, with the records. I never took a lesson. I just learned by listening and trying to do the same thing. And then I would go over to my neighbor's house and we would play all those songs together. So I, I was very driven to play music. And we're, you know, at a young age, 12, 13 years old, I, I did my first performance on stage around 14 at the school. And then uh, in, I, I had a band with these neighbors and we actually started playing clubs and stuff locally. And, and that was around, you know, 1985. I was about 15 and uh, I was already like playing in clubs and stuff. So I, I got going pretty early. Um, and by the time I was 18, I got uh, into a band mucky pup that was signed and we were touring Europe. So I, I literally got out of high school and was, I was in Europe touring with a band at 18. That's awesome. It's a pretty sweet origin story. Yeah. It was one of those things that, you know, I, I knew I wanted to be to play music, but I never thought that that would be my life. I, I really just never, I, I had passion for it, but uh, my life kind of, you know, just gotten, it just, it just came right into my life at 18. But, I, and then I thought, okay, this will last a year or two and then I'll go to college and, you know, get back to a normal life. But it, it just kept snowballing and, and Mucky Pup turned into Doggy Dog and, and that got even bigger. And I've been touring Europe every year for 32 years. So uh, it's just, that's the way it went, but it, there's no plan to it. But I, I guess that I got my dream. That's awesome, man. I'm also I was glad to hear you were a bassist. I'm a bassist as well. So, yeah, yeah. the world needs them. Every band yeah. needs it. <laughs> Nobody admits they want to be the bass player. But, you know, I think it's a pretty good, good spot in the band. Yeah, for sure. Uh, actually, my dad is the uh, he plays bass. And then growing up as a kid, he had trained me to have this Pavlovian response where Whenever he would say, who's the coolest guy in the band, my sister and I would shout out this chorus of the bass player. So, yeah. Yeah, well, and a lot of times he is the coolest one in the band. So <laughs> I, I would agree with that. Uh, and you kind of mentioned Kiss and uh, some metal. And of course, you uh, are obviously very into it Italian horror soundtracks. So as an artist, who are some of your biggest influences and are there any that might not be apparent from listening to your music? Are you talking about like bands that are, are influential or are you talking about soundtrack music? All of the above. Um, well, that's, it, it all kind of came together 
around the same time. When I was listening to metal in the early 80s, I was also listening to a lot of classical music um, because my grandparents lived around the corner from Lincoln Center in New York. And they had like, you know, tickets to everything. They were just one of these like people who contributed to Lincoln Center. So they just had tickets all the time. So every time I visited my grandparents, they were like, hey, you want to go see a classical concert around the corner? And I I was really into it because I was discovering things like Ingve Malmsteen, who would do like classical and and metal together. And I was just loving that sound. Um, so soundtracks, I was really getting into horror movies around the same time. So I was hearing the Halloween theme and Creep Show and Escape from New York and uh Jaws and, you know, some of the early horror movies with soundtracks that were really unique, Amityville horror, that really like scary and stood out. Um, and it all kind of came together in the, in the early to mid 80s for me. And uh, when I heard Goblin and they did this kind of like proggy, you know, horror rock, but it, it had like classical tones to the keyboards and some of it, like almost like fugue style uh, organ. Uh, you could hear that on Phenomena and Demons. And I, that was just like the greatest thing I ever heard. So like when I, when I started hearing those Italian soundtracks by Goblin, uh, Dawn of the Dead, uh, I, I just like my world, like kind of got a little more complete. Yeah. Demons is a, is a pretty wild mix between the Claudio Simonetti stuff and like a lot of heavy metal. Totally. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. So that, that was my world. I was like, you know, I, that's not retro to me. I, I was actually living at that time. So yeah, all awesome. that stuff felt very fresh uh, to me. It, it actually felt like cutting edge. It was really like you hadn't seen a, you know, Dario Argento had, had you know, broken ground with Deep Red by putting like almost like a rock band where you would normally have like an orchestra doing like horror music. And I think it, with Demons, it was like, that type of idea, but even like pumped up a little bit more, like more metal and, and it just very aggressive soundtrack, which I love. Yeah. I think that stuff is so cool. And, and so a question that I wanted to ask, and I, you kind of addressed it a little bit just then, but just maybe going into a little more detail. So who are some, who are some of your favorite film composers? Like who are, who are some of your top film composers? In the beginning, like John Carpenter is still like, he's my, he's like my, my God, but, uh, you know, for Italian, John Carpenter, uh, and, um, for Italian Fabio Fritzi obviously created that whole Fulci sound, which, you know, carries through his, some of his greatest films. Uh, I mean, I've got so many soundtracks. Ennio Morricone is like absolutely, you know, a God to me. Um, thank, thankfully I got to see him perform live in, uh, about 2000 and, I, around, I, I don't know, it's on my Instagram, 2007 or something like that. Uh, and that was amazing. And uh, his music just absolutely brilliant, especially the Giallo films from the, let's say, the late 60s, early 70s, uh, where he was just really like experimental. It was just jarring, incredible music with, with weird sounds and stuff, breathing and all kinds of stuff. Um, I mean... I have so many soundtracks. You ask me now and it's like, I don't have them in front of me. I can't think uh, everything, but I mean, basically name a movie that has a soundtrack that's a horror film and the chances of me having it are 
are pretty good. I've I've spent my whole life collecting vinyl and CDs and and cassettes of of horror soundtrack music. And in New York City, we used to have a a place called Footlight Records, and that was like a soundtrack only store. And you'd walk in there wow. and you'd see like, oh my god, like all these Italian imports and. and you know, every horror soundtrack on vinyl. And, you know, back then, it wasn't really as popular as it is now. So you could go in and you could find stuff that people were getting $100 for on eBay. And, and that stuff said $7.95 on it, you know, and it was right Man. there. Uh, Maniac soundtrack and, you know, whatever it might be. That's one of the ones that was really influential uh, to me. Um because uh, that was like really heavy, like aggressive synth sounds and, and just it was brilliant. Yeah, right. I, I can't tell if I'm jealous of the, uh, that store or if I would just go broke if we had something like that. So. Yeah, I, I went I went constantly <laughs> like I, I worked three jobs when I was 16 yeah. just to afford records. I would take my paychecks every week and go to Manhattan and, and like just buy as many records as I could and then work a whole nother week to get more money. And, you know. Uh, it was just so important, and I'm glad that I put that kind of time in because all that listening to music, it was my education in soundtrack music. Like I, I didn't go to school to learn composition. I'm just I just hear things and I understand them, and I do my best to to play music that is influenced by that. And I just I let my brain soak it all in, and then just put it back out the way it, it does it. Yeah, that's awesome. And I, I'm so many of the scores that you just mentioned are, are ones that I love too. Like you mentioned the Amityville horror score and that one always was like, I really think that score is just really awesome. And, and Fabio Fritzi is, is my favorite. So yeah, uh, he, he's, he's, uh, just such a great guy. Um, I never thought back when I was listening to some of these records and watching the movies with his music that one day he would tour. And, I, and it just was unthinkable, but I've, I've seen him twice now, once playing the Beyond live, and he did like a, a night in Brooklyn where he, he just did like a medley of all different music. Um, That's awesome. And, you know, he loves to meet his fans and, and hang out, and I gave him my soundtracks, and he listened to them and wrote me, and he wears my T-shirt and stuff. And awesome. it's just like, I can't believe that I actually like talk to this guy now, and then he's just so cool. Um, and it, it just gives me a lot of like good feeling and hope that, you know, this kind of music and, and these movies, they really bring people together. People are fans of Italian horror and, and kind of, I don't want to call it underground cause it's really not underground, but it like, it's not mainstream horror. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right. It, yeah. Yeah. And, and the people who really love these kind of movies, not just Italian, but, but any any horror and an underground, I, they're just very, usually very cool people like yourselves and a lot of other people I've met through Instagram that are, that are, I just find it to be extremely nice and fascinating people when, when, you know, you find out you have the same interests. Yeah, it's really cool. And like, I, I, kind of like you, I always think it's neat how there's almost like uh, you can find, I, I don't know if you use the word community, but sort of uh, through social media of people who are who are interested in that kind of film and, and that kind of music, particularly the, the whole uh, horror score thing is a, you know, there's a lot of people who are really passionate fans of that, uh, me and Mo included, I know that. And now that, you know, you're, you're getting so many reissues on like yeah. Mondo and Death Waltz and, and so many other great labels. Uh, yeah. that are just doing like 
really good quality work. And uh, so I think a lot more people are, are aware of this stuff now than ever. Um, and it's, it's good for the labels that are putting the stuff out that they they actually can sell out of their records and, and, and it's worth doing. I, I would hate to see a time when nobody cared about horror music and then it's not even worth like putting out beautiful gatefold sleeve splatter vinyl, which, you know, it's like the original records I love more because they're what I grew up with, but I, I do really appreciate the effort that goes into the, the reissues. Oh yeah, for sure. And all those labels you just mentioned do such great issues and, and, uh, Cadabra records with that, oh, yeah. uh, that beyond composers cut is like the craziest thing I've ever heard. Oh yeah. Cadabra records are doing like really interesting, uh, work. That's not, uh, you know, your typical stuff. Um, and I, I met with, uh, one of the guys when, uh, Fabio played, he was there, uh, selling some of the records and I, I was really admiring the quality, uh, of the work. Yeah. And one really good point that you just made, Dave, is that a lot of these reissues are, of course, great for people like us who are fans of the genre, but it also helps to resurface some of these uh, deep cuts for people who are newcomers as well. Yeah, Terrorvision uh, Records. I don't know if you know them. They're really great. And they're like, like who needs the soundtrack to Chud 2 besides me, of course, you know, <laughs> but yet the thing sold out in like a week. So it's like, that's just incredible to me, you know? Um, so the, you know, and it, and it would be easy to just throw like a slapdash record together and just put it out. But like, when you like actually make it look so good, uh, it just, I love it. That's why I support all of these labels. I mean, it's really hard to buy every single Blu-ray and every single, you know, record and everything that comes out. I mean, we, I'm working my ass off for, to do it, but, uh, as long as, you know, I try to at least buy something from all of the, the different companies because I yeah. really want them to be around. They really make my life uh, more complete, putting out new new versions of, of Blu-rays. And, you know, so I, I do everything I can and I always encourage people to, you know, it, and with the record, you can't really like steal it from online. You know what I mean? Right, like right. you got to kind of buy the thing. And that's that's, I think, absolutely great that, that records are, are coming back very strong and, and people are embracing them and buying them again. You've mentioned a lot of records. So do you have any favorite film scores that you have on vinyl from your collection? And are there any that you would like to see reissued that haven't yet gotten a release? My favorite records are the old Varese Saravan uh, vinyl, the, you know, the ones that came out originally. So like my favorite vinyls are probably like creep show soundtrack i have five different versions of that soundtrack i it, it changed my life when i saw that movie in the theater it finally like it all came together like soundtrack music is just incredible i ran to manhattan and i had my my mom drive me i wasn't even old enough to drive i was a kid and uh had to get the creep show soundtrack used to carry it around in high school just carrying it with me uh uh, Maniac, like I told you, uh, the John Halloween Two by John Carpenter was a hugely influential album. I mean, I love the original Halloween, but the the synth sounds on yeah. Part Two just kind of made it even more cool and like just slick. You know, it just was really, really great. Um, uh, of course, the Fog, all the Carpenter early ones, um, and uh, Videodrome, 
yeah. I love that soundtrack. I love that record. Um, yeah. I mean, if I, if you came to my house and saw my soundtracks, you know, I have one that's like reissues and I probably have about a hundred of the reissue records. And then I've probably got about 300 like v- regular vinyl originals. So probably around 400, maybe a little bit more soundtracks on vinyl. So some good stuff. The original Amityville Horror. Uh, man, I got just tons of wacko stuff. Humanoids from the Deep and uh, I'm trying to think. Man, name a movie. I got it. The Howling. All that. I'm st- always searching everywhere I go. Every time I leave the house, I'm looking for something. I like. I never want to come home empty-handed. Now it's a little more difficult with shops closing down and all that. But yeah. you know, hunting for for records is one of the things I love the most. Yeah, I think I'm. I'm trying to track down sometime soon the uh, Monster Shark score, the Fritzy Monster Shark. Oh, right. <laughs> I, I, I don't have it on vinyl. I have the yeah. CD. But you asked me what I would like to see re-released. Uh, you know, I. I I have almost everything. I mean, I'm trying to think. There's one soundtrack I want, which is Looker. It's a 1981 movie uh, that I just love that synth score, and that's never been released. Uh, I would love somebody to put that out. Um, and that theme song is so catchy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I watched it the other night on Blu-ray uh, for the first time, and you know, just that, that got me thinking, like, this is one that needs a, a, a soundtrack to it for sure. And uh, as we talk, I'll see if I can remember any other ones. But, uh, it, you know, it's it's always something you're not thinking about that gets announced. And you're like, oh, my God. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. Yeah. So, like, kind of um, moving into, I guess, wanting to talk about, uh, we had just done our episode about Fulci's Zombie 2. And so that's kind of what sparked the, us wanting to speak to you because I thought it would be awesome to, I just thought it was such a cool idea to have this comic book franchise this comic book sequel series to Fulci's Zombie 2 and then on top of that to have uh, a score to it and so my first question moving into Zombie 2 is just could you tell us a little bit about your history with the film with Fulci's Zombie 2? That's a really important movie for me because it really represents the early days of VHS rentals for me Uh, when all the mom and pop stores started to pop up in every town you had one you know on every you know in every town um and every time you walked in we're talking like early 80s here like 84 somewhere around there when i started renting a lot of movies uh and you'd always see the zombie box in every store i mean it was just one of those movies on vhs that just everybody had and i was like what the hell is that it's disgusting i love that cover we are going to eat you with this worm face zombie uh so it was just immediately eye-catching and back then you know we didn't have the internet we didn't know i didn't know what zombie was because i was the guy that was finding out about all the horror movies and telling everyone there wasn't anybody telling me i was the one you know going to horror conventions starting in 80 85 um so prior to that without internet all you had was basically fangoria magazine and zombie was on the cover of Fangoria magazine when it first came out. And I remember seeing that issue. So as soon as the video uh, was available, I started, I rented it along with some other uh, early Italian films like the gates of hell as well, where we're both on VHS. And uh, it, it basically was just one of those things where another, another thing that re- was when I was in 1983, I was, digging through some cassettes at like a some store and there was this uh 
horror cassette that had like themes from horror movies, but they were all re-recorded. They weren't like the original themes. They were like some, I don't know, bad orchestra redoing the omen and and Amityville Horror. And I gotta get my tape out and see. I think Poltergeist and The Shining might be on it, but they're all re re-recorded. And one of those tracks was Zombie. Uh, and that was the first, I hadn't even seen the movie yet, but I heard the music before I saw the movie. So that was kind of interesting. And it, it, it somehow got lodged in my brain and that music always meant something to me. Um, so, you know, moving forward, obviously the movie started like coming out on DVD in the, in the nineties and, and started getting, you know, more and more popular. And I was going to some screenings. It, it started screening in New York, midnight shows again. And, you know, it's just one of those movies I just, I didn't get tired of watching. I just watched it over and over. Uh, so I guess, you know, I, I started getting involved with doing music in the, in the late 90s uh, with the guys who would later go on to form Ibon Press. Uh, and I did Fabio Fritzi's uh, uh, The uh, Contraband. I don't know if you oh, know yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was the score he did directly after Zombie. Right. Um, and uh, they were putting together a compilation album called For Lucio Fulci, A Symphony of Fear. And it's it's a two-disc set with, a, you know, I don't know. It's got at least 30, 40 tracks on it. And I was asked to contribute one, but somebody already got the zombie. So I got uh, Contraband. And there was no reference material the only way to hear the music from from that movie and and cover it for this album was for me to have a bootleg vhs that i had to play along with a vhs tape and try and decipher uh what he was doing um that has nothing to do with zombie but it's it's my foot in the door of being influenced by zombie and then uh influenced by fulci and then starting my my journey of making music uh, in in like homage to him. That's awesome. Yeah, it's crazy to think about the contraband score being the next one after Zombie because it sounds so markedly different from the the Zombie score. Yeah, a lot of funk in there. Yeah, it's it's different, but uh, you know, it it still has that Fritzy trademark when you you listen deep enough. But yeah. yeah. That's cool. So I, you kind of mentioned this a little bit, but my next question, you kind of had just kind of uh, segued into it a little bit. But how did so how did you get involved with with Ivan Press and how did you get in, brought on board for their zombie adaptation? Well, it started with the album for Lucio Fulci, A Symphony of Fear. I contributed that track and uh, Sean, uh, one of the guys from Ibon, uh, what was one of the producers on that that uh, record. So him and his partner, Dacian, uh, knew me from the horror conventions and they knew that I was in a band that toured that was, you know, doing pretty well. We had just won an MTV award and, you know, we were, we were doing really well. Uh, so he, they thought that would be great for their album. And they, they, they knew me as a person and a, a fan of Fulci. So, you know, they, they didn't, they just threw it my way. And I was like, absolutely. I would love to be a part of it. And one of the other contributing artists was, um, Stephen Romano, the other half of Ibon. So he was actually just the artist on it. He didn't have anything to do, I don't think, with producing the record, but he, we were both on it. So we all kind of now were in this little 
you know, group of guys who had just done a project together. Um, so that was cool. We became friendly. Then uh, that segued into me being asked to do the soundtrack to Paora Lucio Fulci Remembered Volume One, which is a documentary DVD that's on Amazon and everywhere else. And it's uh, the, a, a guy named Mike Baronis produced and directed this. And he had heard that Fulci CD, loved my contraband track, and then said, will you do five songs for my documentary? So I did that for him. And that was in like 2008. And then the guys from Ibon uh, heard that soundtrack and, and wrote me and said, we would love for you to work with us on our, on doing a score for our comic book. And I was like, okay. So like, it was all just one thing leading to another. And uh, I flew down to Austin to see John Carpenter perform when he was on his tour. And this is 2016. And, you know, that's when uh, Sean, I mean, not Sean, uh, that's when um, Stephen Romano, like formally asked me to be a part of it. And I was like, absolutely. And that was it. Then I just got the call like, okay, it's real. We want you to do zombie issue five. And they sent me the issue and said, just, just do it. So I just kind of was like, all right, well, the problem I have is that I don't have my own recording studio. So I got to like now find somebody to, to record this, this record. And luckily I did. And it was the, it was like meant to be. And this guy named Walt, uh, Walter Casimir, uh, who I met, took me into a studio and, and it was just like magic. We just started pumping out, uh, this music, like right on the spot. It was, it was just incredible. And, uh, um, I finished the zombie uh, music and they were just blown away. They were, they were, they were so happy with what I, I handed them. Um, and then uh, some time went by and they decided to delay uh, the soundtrack. So I had rushed really, you know, fast to get the soundtrack done. And then it was like, well, we're going to delay it like almost a year. Um, so I ended up doing the, the soundtrack to their next comic book, which was called bottom feeder. And, uh, it was a, it was the same kind of deal, but that one was like, do it quick. And then it came out like right away. And then they called me back and said, all right, with zombie, we want to make a zombie issue five and six now. So can you go back and record some more music? And we got audio of the lead actor from zombie, Ian McCulloch, reading the actual comic. And we want to put together some like vocal tracks, like dialogue tracks. So I went back into the studio a second time and did like more music. And then we created the, the uh, music behind the sound effects and dialogue track. So it, it kind of was worth the wait because we made the album even better than it originally was. Yeah, I mean, the album rules. I'm a big fan of, of Fritzy's music, as I said earlier, and, and I wasn't sure what to expect when I when I picked it up, but it, it really is fantastic. I've got a few favorite tracks on there. I love uh, I love Fulci's Inferno, and I love The Island of Dr. Menard. I just think both of those are, are really amazing tracks. And you actually just touched on something that I was going to ask about, which was how I was very surprised to find that Ian McCulloch was doing the narration. So I was going to ask you how he got on board with the project, but sounds like maybe somebody else brought him in. Well, the guys from Ibon uh, contacted him and asked him if he could do a reading. And he, I think they said he was in Scotland and he just, they sent him a recorder. He opened it, he read the comic and then sent it back 
to them. And, you know, we got the tape and, or, you know, the recording and, and we just messed with it a little bit and gave it like kind of a vintage sound and uh, added some music and sound effects behind it. So, you know, those guys did the same thing uh, with Joe Pilato for the bottom feeder, the guy from Day of the Dead. Uh, and they got him to read the comic and he passed away and, and thankfully they got it. They got his voice on tape. So those guys were just thinking ahead, maybe not even realizing how they were going to use it, but they got it. So, uh, I just helped them to enhance the tracks a bit. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, it came out really great. And so, yeah, as I was just mentioning, like some of my favorite tracks on there are, are Fulci's Inferno and, and Island of Dr. Menard, but I, I also like the Menard Rising track. And I was just curious, I've listened to the zombie, because like you said earlier, to me, the music, the theme music from Fulci's Zombie kind of is its own, it lives on its own. It has a life of its own, even outside the film. Like I've I've listened to that the score so many times. I mean, way more times than I've even seen the film. Uh, and so I was just curious of what was it like following in the shoes of Fabio Fritzi's score for zombie two, such a legendary score. What was it like to kind of then follow that up with your own score for a sequel? When I spoke to Steven about it, I had, I had, he had shown the comic hadn't actually come out yet, but I, he would give me an advance uh, of it so I could see what it looked like. So I had some idea about, what kind of music and he he was really adamant about me not just doing a blatant Fabio Fritzi copy. He was like, I really want to hear Dave Niebuhr in there. And I, I said to him, well, you know, I have to balance homage and something that that feels like zombie. But we I said to him first, like, what year does the sequel take place in? And I, I don't remember, I think he said like 82 or something or, or 83. It's a few years after the original. And I said, perfect. So I said, my imagination is telling me this is, is like Fabio Fritzi in association with Alan Haworth. Um, so that meant I wanted uh, a sound that was like what Alan Haworth brought to John Carpenter's music in the early scores, which was, uh, yeah. you know, a kind of electronic, uh, beats behind some of it. Um, and that the track called restaurant attack is really a perfect example. That one, I really went for a, like a carpenter feel. Um, but you know, I wanted Fabio to, to be represented as well. So I, I told him, you're, you know, I'm going to reference that original zombie theme at some point and that's in Fulci's Inferno. And it's pretty obvious, but I took it way further and, and, you know, made it this kind of bigger, more apocalyptic, song um and like i said when i when i gave it back to the ibon guys they were like floored they were like it's actually better than we expected but it's it's perfect where it feels like a sequel and it doesn't feel like just the same zombie tracks over yeah and you were talking about restaurant attack one thing i thought was cool about that when i was listening to it is it starts off with that sort of kind of smooth jazz moment sort of, and and you could hear that in some of the old uh, italian horror soundtracks too like those weird not really ominous sounding. I know Cat of Nine Tails is full of that kind of stuff. So I thought that was a pretty cool touch. Yeah, that was, well, I really like reading the comic. They're sitting in a restaurant and then zombies like smash through the window. And I'm like, well, what would be playing in the restaurant logically? And I was like some cheesy, you know, kind of lounge music. So I just quickly, like almost all of that record was made up 
on the spot in the studio. I just kind of channeled Fabio and just opened my mind and just, you know, just go with your instinct and what, what feels right. You can always go back and fix a note here or there, but you know, the, the important thing is, is, is not second guessing everything you do. You know, you just gotta say, I spent my whole life watching these movies and listening to it. And this is what it means to me. And you just start playing it. And it just, it came out and it, it just, it hit the right notes. So I'm, I'm just grateful that I was working with a great producer and I'm grateful that, you know, I was able to just kind of open up the gates and, and, and let all that stuff flow out. And, and it, it just, it worked. So it was, it was a great experience. Something that I was really impressed with, and you sort of touched upon this briefly just now, but was the way that uh, your score was able to channel uh, the original while also kind of standing on its own a lot. So I was wondering if you could elaborate a bit on how you were able to kind of manage that balance. I'm not sure that it's a hundred percent conscious decision. I think zombie is like embedded in my DNA. So it's like, anytime I think about zombie, I think about the the score. Um, but I, I knew, you know, there, what there isn't in, in zombie is really like electronic sounds, really. It's a very like voodoo, tribally drumming, like score. Um, so I, I really just kind of felt like just do, do what, what the essence of that, but, but give it a little more electronic life. And that, that was really just kind of how I went into it. And, and, um, I, I would play like a, a little theme on a keyboard maybe and be like, okay, I like that little theme. And that's all it would be in my phone in my notes. You know, I would just play a keyboard right next to my phone and just recorded. And then when I went to the studio, I would just say, this is a little theme I liked and, and literally just pick a tempo and just play this theme. And it just starts growing and just building. It's like, it, it just ha- kind of happens on its own. And I, it's a new way of making music for me uh, where I, I used to spend a lot more time kind of pre- preparing in advance. Whereas this one, it was like, uh, just have an intention and then just, just do what, what, what it is and what feels right. And, and, in this, in so far, I, not only this, but bottom feeder and, and the new record, I've, I've just done a full, uh, length album that I'm mixing and it was all done the same way with the same producer. And, uh, it's, it's just a method of recording that I've now done for the past few years. That's just working very well for me. I realized like, People who make music or art uh, shouldn't second guess themselves all the time. You have to like just feel confident in what you're doing, so that you know you don't waste time saying I don't know if that's good or I don't know if that's you know what people are going to like. Just do what you do, and usually your first instinct is right. That was some excellent advice. Uh, so one thing that I was curious about is if you could pick. Any other film uh, that you could recreate the score for, what would it be and why? Oh, man. I, I, I think Escape from New York is probably one of my absolute like most influential soundtracks. I don't think I could do a better job. 
I don't, but that would be one that if they ever made a remake of it, which I've heard about, I would, I would jump at the chance to do that. That would be a, that'd be a really tough one to, to fall on the footsteps of. Yeah, you couldn't, it's perfect the way it is. (laughs) But uh, when CDs came out for the first, you know, like when, when the, you know, it was a new format in the, in the mid to late eighties. The first soundtrack on CD I ever bought was Escape from New York. Uh, so that, that has a special place in my collection as the, f- the very first soundtrack CD out of thousand that I have now. Uh, so that one, that one is, is just one really special. Um, I think the, 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 the interesting thing is, is if you had an old horror movie that was being remade and, and really deserved a remake, I, I don't, I'm not a big fan of remaking movies that were done right the first time. If you're going to remake something, pick something that missed the mark you know, and, and maybe has room for an improvement. Um, I always find it really strange that people pick these classic, incredible movies and try to like remake them when there's so many bad ones to do. That's a very worthy choice of a, of a first uh, CD to buy. <laughs> yeah. That it was that and the fog. Those two were like early CDs from Varese that were, were, you know, when I saw those in the store, you know, all CDs were all new. So I, I just like, was like, Oh my God, like I didn't know it existed. There was no internet. I didn't know like what was coming out. I just flipped through some and there it was. So then I started my collection and, uh, you know, I'm very proud of 30, four, almost 40 years of collecting soundtracks. It's also kind of funny because I feel like usually when people start talking about the first CD or DVD or VHS tape or whatever they ever purchase, it's usually something really embarrassing that uh, they, they don't enjoy anymore because their taste has changed so much. But those were great picks. Yeah, I've just I when I was sixteen, uh, I started working at a video store, VHS rental store. Yeah, uh, and I ended up staying in that business for a while. I did four years at one store and then I switched and I did another four years at a bit at another video store. Um, so I was, I was managing. So I, I had eight years, uh, in video. Um, so you can imagine how much stuff I acquired, uh, posters and tapes and all kinds of stuff. I mean, it was just, uh, dangerous for me, uh, as a collector to be, you know, now working in video. So I got a lot of cool stuff in my uh, collection, thanks to those years. So, And kind of speaking a little bit more about uh, movies and music in your collection, do you have any movie and music picks that we should be watching and listening to that we might not know of? Well, I, during the, the, COVID shutdown, I, I, ha- I went crazy because I've got hundreds of Blu-rays and DVDs that are in piles. Like, I just don't have the time to watch it. Normally, I'm, I'm touring all summer long. This is the first summer in 30 years that I've actually been home all summer. Um, and I was like, well, I mean, if I'm going to be unable to go out or do anything, I might as well start hacking away at these piles. And I started watching tons of, of movies and I kept a list uh, of everything I've watched for the past four months or five months, whatever it was. So uh, t- tonight is my 300th movie uh, since March 21st. Uh, last night I watched Fulci for Fake, 
which is the new documentary about Lucio. And it's absolutely brilliant. Uh, It's not what I thought it was going to be. I, I, I didn't know what it was, to be honest with you. I knew it was kind of a documentary, but I, I heard that it was kind of like, I don't know, some kind of, you know, other kind of storyline, but, but it turns out it really is just, it is a, a proper documentary and the interviews uh, with the closest people worked with him and uh, the behind the scenes footage and, and private eight millimeter footage and other kind of stuff. It just, it actually got me very emotional. Uh, and I, I learned so much about him that I didn't know about. And, and I've read the books on him and, and studied them. Uh, and, and this, this definitely gave you the most uh, in depth about his, you know, personal life, which is the kind of stuff you don't really know a lot about and hearing his daughter, both his daughters talking about him and the people who worked with him. And it, and it made me like feel kind of sorry for him, which is the general consensus that people, he had a really hard life. He had, he had some things happen to him and his family that, that just, you know, would make any person, you know, broken a bit. And I think he had a lot of pent up frustration. And, and now when you see a movie like New York Ripper yeah. and how just, you know, just brutal and angry it is. And, and, and he watching this documentary, you start to really understand why he did those movies. And, and, you know, he was really trying to like express himself and get, get, you know, inner uh, probably demons that he had out. Uh, and uh, I just thought the movie was brilliant. So any fan of Fulci has got to see Fulci for fake. It was just fantastic. Um, I watch a lot of uh, classics over and over. So if you see, you know, I, Happy Birthday to Me and The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, April Fool's Day, I'm just reading some from my list. Uh, um, Killer Party, that was great. Ghost Story, Sisters, uh, Nightmare, The Hidden, Night School, Texas Chainsaw 3. Uh, you know, these are like people under the stairs. I'm, these are just mixed in with everything that I'm watching. And then some of the Italian stuff uh, I've been watching. Uh, let's see here. Orgasmo, the, 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 um, the new box set from uh, Umberto Lenzi. Living Dead at the Manchester Morgue, one of the greatest zombie films ever, just came out on a beautiful Blu-ray from Synapse. Uh, and I was watching some uh, some German stuff, Der Todesking, if you ever saw Necromantic from the same director. Um, let's see, Body Snatchers was great. Uh, Vivarium, something new, that was weird. Uh, Tetsuo 2, Becky, one of the new uh, horror movies. Uh, Eraserhead. I'm just reading off my list. Your Vice is a Locked Door and Only I Have the Key. The Strange Color of Your Body's Tears, which is a shallow homage. Uh, High Tension or or Hot Tension. Watched that again recently. Dead Alive. Emmanuel in America. You know, these are Strange Vice of Mrs. Ward. Um, So the list just goes on and on. But I'm, I'm mostly watching horror movies and then I need a palate cleanser and I'll watch a comedy every now and then like mixed in just to, you know, kind of keep my sense of humor. Yeah. I was glad to hear you say that you liked Fulci for fake so much. It's on my list. I've been meaning to, to watch it for, for a few weeks now and I haven't gotten around to it. So I'm really excited about seeing that now. 
Yeah, it's it's uh, like watching it was great, but when I woke up this morning, I I just had this really weird emotional like tie to it. Like now, there's something really special about that, and and I'm 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 just you know I I don't know. It, it kind of got me really emotional because I really can understand how he must have felt, and he really never got the respect that a guy like Argento got immediately yeah. and and Fulci just seemed to be like working and working but just you know he 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 didn't get that kind of like fame and you know I'm sure he felt like if from a technical side you know his cameraman Sergio Salvati uh was saying how brilliant he was as a as a as a director and a cameraman, he knew exactly where to place the camera. He knew exactly what kind of lens to put on. Like this guy wasn't just some idiot making movies. Like he knew exactly what he was doing. Um, and and the, you know his movies starting in like the late '60s, uh, where he he really started getting into horror. One on top of the other was really his first kind of considered. It's not even really a horror movie, but his first giallo. Yeah, it's a giallo. Um, and. Uh, he really developed that style. I've seen a lot of his early movies. I've got bootlegs of his comedies and everything. And, and, you know, you really, it doesn't look like the movies that we love the, the horror ones uh, that he's, he's more well known for. Um, but I think it took a lot of like almost personal tragedy in his life to really like bring that out. And uh, yeah, I mean, you got to see the movie. Yeah. I'm excited for that. And I know you, um, so kind of closing up a little bit here. Um, I know that you mentioned earlier that you've been working on a new, a new record. Um, so I was going to ask, well, first off, um, uh, where can people find your music? Well, my band music, like dog eat dog yeah. and the other bands I've been involved with that stuff's all on Spotify. Well, not all of it, but if it's not there, it's on YouTube. It's, it's out there. Like dog yeah. eat dog stuff's easy. If you ever were a person that listens to, you know, wants physical media, all that stuff's available on eBay and, and Amazon and stuff. Um, the, the soundtracks that I've done, the, the, uh, for Lucio Fulci, a symphony of fear, uh, those pop up for, you know, usually 20, 30 bucks once in a while on eBay. You know, I, I looked it up the other day. I think it was 39.99. It was one it's, it's not cheap. Some of the music is awesome. Some of it is a little amateurish overall, but overall, it's a great record for for putting on in the background and, and hearing other people's interpretations of of Fulci soundtracks. The score that I did for Paora Lucio Fulci remembered is uh, that was a rare one. That only they only made two hundred copies of the CD. I've seen them going for a hundred dollars on eBay, um, and you know I'm really proud of that. But it, that one I I just wouldn't recommend anyone spend a hundred dollars. I'm gonna upload that stuff to Spotify like soon enough. So everyone will be able to hear those five songs. And then the, the two soundtracks, zombie Fulci's Inferno and bottom feeder can be bought. If you want physical media from Ibom press, they, they're doing a nice package uh, with liner notes and trading cards for like 10 bucks. You can't go wrong. Uh, otherwise zombie will be coming up on Spotify uh, in the next week. So I'm just waiting for it to hit. And, and I didn't put the dialogue tracks up. I just put the, the score tracks up. And my new record, which I've been working on for more than a year and a half, is 
10 songs. Each one is an homage to a different type of soundtrack or film that I that really inspired me. So you're going to hear something that sounds like John Carpenter. You're going to hear something that sounds like uh, Fabio Fritzi. You're going to hear something that sounds like Goblin and something that's like Giorgio Moroder. And, you know, just go there. It's just every song is different. And every song has a, a unique kind of sound to it. Um, but as a whole, it's a, it works well as a listening experience. But you can't judge the song on any uh, the album on one song because the next one's going to sound totally different. So it's really something that has to be heard as 10 songs and not as one. But one of the tracks I did was, you know, my, my homage to Fabio and Fulci. Uh, and I, I just really wanted Fabio to hear it first because it really was inspired by him. So I sent them the track uh, and, you know, I just amazing. He listened to it right away and wrote me back like Bravo. It's really great. And yeah, let me know when the album's out. And I was just like, you know what? It was worth doing the track just for that. That's awesome. I can't wait to hear that. That sounds yeah. great. So that stuff's coming out. Uh, we're mixing it. So we're, I'm hoping by the end of September, but I really put a lot of work in this and I, I really want a label to put it out. I, I could do it myself, but I, I feel uh, it, it really needs a, a label that has distribution and, and a way of mailing things out. Uh, I'm just not capable of, of doing a lot of shipping and my, my fans and a lot of friends, a lot of them are in Europe and, and it's, it's definitely going to be too much of a pain for me to try to, sell records on my own so uh as soon as these tracks are mixed i'm gonna hopefully see if i can get one of these labels maybe even cadaver or somebody i'm gonna send it to everybody and see who wants it well that's awesome i'm looking forward to hearing that and dave just wanted to say thanks a lot man this was a blast i'm glad we were able to do this hey guys i really appreciate you uh taking the time to listen to the music and and just you know caring about this kind of stuff because it's really important and you know hopefully someone will listen to this and and start googling some of the titles we talked about and and you know then it just it, it just continues the the love and enthusiasm that these directors especially Fulci uh you know had for his films we need to keep them alive so I'm doing my part and you guys are too and I appreciate that yeah, thank you so much. Uh, it was an absolute pleasure to speak with you and we uh, Wes and I both really uh, respect and appreciate how you're, uh, you know, kind of preserving a lot of that, uh, old school vibe with, um, kind of your own flair as well. Well, thank you, uh, Mo and Wes for, for just doing what you do. And if anybody wants to check out some of my horror collection, you can look at, uh, Instagram dog eat Dave. And, uh, I got a never ending, uh, photo stream of of cool stuff i've collected and for personal experience it is definitely uh an instagram to check out <laughs> thank you appreciate <laughs> it and uh we'll talk again guys thank you so much all the best to you good luck awesome. thank you thanks a lot thank you stop it please for god's sake please stop it there's no more time you've got to please stop it stop it now turn it off turn it off stop it stop it stop it stop it stop it stop it stop it, stop it! Stop it!